Hello and welcome to Interfilm Recommends, a regular podcast for film club leaders to explore exciting new titles with their clubs. My name is Michael and for today's secondary theme podcast, I'm joined by Eleanor. Hello. In which we'll be discussing two films, Arrival and The Fits. So let's kick off with Arrival. There are days that define your story beyond your life, like the day they arrived. Colonel? Pack your bags. Language is the first weapon drawn in a conflict. It's quite a greeting. Yeah, well, you wrote it. You are on the top. Everyone's on this when it comes to translations. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? Arrival sees an alien spacecraft land on Earth, and this results in the military recruiting an expert linguist to try and gauge if they come in peace. Uh, so Arrival is a 12 certificate and we have it at 14 plus simply because some of the themes are quite complex. Um, it's not inappropriate for a younger audience. Uh, it's just that an older audience are more likely to engage with it, we feel. Uh, and there are so many things to explore in Arrival. So Eleanor, let's first of all talk about the themes. Um, what are they? How are they portrayed? And why are they so relevant to today's society? Well, there are a lot of big issues to engage with in this in this film. And I think one of the primary ones we kind of touched on in your little intro there is um, all about communication and language. Um, so Dr. Banks is our main character uh, and she's approached by the army to try and, as you say, gauge if they come in peace. So she kind of has to work really hard um, to interpret what they're saying, um, how they're trying to communicate, what... They actually, what their purpose is um, and what this kind of arrival means. Um, and this is kind of complicated by the fact that um, these aliens have not just landed um, in America, they've actually landed all over the globe yeah. and everywhere. People are trying to do the same thing with their own experts in different nations. Um, and so there's this other kind of theme that starts to kind of emerge about communication and cooperation on Earth and basically how people have to then kind of transcend their own different languages to try and find a common purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's at the centre of mission to establish this kind of... Um, this form of communication and work out what signals they're giving her. And this kind of gives her... It kind of has an effect on her that means she experiences these strange episodes um, that she doesn't really know how to diagnose. And these kind of come up as a result of the process and throw up more questions about the film, which um, the audience has to interpret as they go along, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of like the space race, I suppose, isn't it? This idea that everyone is racing against each other to, to be the first. Um, and that idea of whether they're cooperating with each other countries or whether it's a competition is one yeah. of the central themes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, international cooperation and avoiding conflict um, are a big part of the mission. Um, and the situation kind of becomes this ticking time bomb as experts from around the world use different methods of engagement and start to draw different conclusions from them. So some people have come in, um, Louise is very kind of sympathetic um, and very open and she wants to be quite gentle in her way of kind of establishing contact with these aliens whereas others have taken different approaches that end up having different results Um, and you know things could swing either way and it's really up to the humans to try and kind of keep a lid on what's going on and not to kind of um, go in with preconceived notions um, as well Um, and I think obviously this has massive implications for you know world peace, whether there are extraterrestrials um, coming into our situation or not. And also just that that kind of um, thought that there are different ways of handling situations and how people approach this um, when the intention may or may not be hostile um, and sort of 
the way that different people react instinctively as well is kind of dealt with in this film. Um, so it's it's so much more than just a sci-fi in that way. Yeah, definitely. And they're, they're trying to work out why, why they're here ultimately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the big poster slogan, wasn't it? Why yeah. are they here? Um, and uh, yeah, it's whether you react positively or negatively or neutrally to that that can really determine the outcome. Um, and also, I think the film is interesting in itself. Um, you know, it's not just giving you this situation that you have to react to one way or another, but um, it's interestingly constructed uh, the storytelling, which um, has actually been expanded from a short novel. Uh, and it opens up all these questions um, about the choices we make and how they affect our lives and kind of the notion of time as well, uh, which adds a whole different level to what's going on, which means actually, I think, it's one of those films that probably rewards more than one viewing. Definitely. And there's a very, as you said, a very sort of clever um, storytelling construction. Uh, but we don't want to say necessarily too much about that because it's um, central to the film. We don't want to give anything away. Mm. Um, yeah. Keep a note of all the clues as they come up. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> See what you make of them afterwards. This is from um, director Denis Villeneuve. Um, and uh, the design of the film is another thing that really stands out. And that's both the visuals and the sound. So things like the cinematography and the score and the production design all contribute really heavily here. How do they work together to help the film um, stand out? I think um, it's quite an interesting sci-fi film in that it kind of takes a step back from um, high tech and flashing lights and things like that. And it's quite... Um, it's very naturalistic in its approach. Um, like uh, the colours used, it's kind of quite grey most of the time or very dark. Um you kind of get this kind of sense of, um, I don't know, kind of anticipation. It's almost like it's almost like a sort of daybreak light the whole time. It's like a, there's about to be a dawning understanding. Yeah. People don't really know what it is, so it's kind of like this kind of grey uncertainty until they know either way. And there's also like in the the actual design of um, the shell, which is what they call the spacecraft that lands, is you know this kind of egg shaped thing, mm -hmm. um, and it's got a very kind of organic texture um, and the, basically the production designer wanted to recreate something that looked like um, it had come from outer space but not in the kind of like shiny plastic or metallic way that a lot of um, you know our kind of preconceived notions of spaceships kind of um, turn out. It wanted to look like it was something that had been formed from another planet but came from the materials of that planet. So there's this real sweeping cinematography that gives you um, the sense of scale of the the enormity of the shells, the kind of frenzied swarm of the media, mm. but also you have these lovely close-ups um, that give you the kind of intimacy of what is going on with um, with Dr. Banks and how she's reacting. There's a lot of kind of her wide eyes and, you know, kind of deep intakes of breath as she's kind of experiencing what is going on. Yeah, and the film, you constantly feel emotion in the film, don't you? There's also a sense of movement and energy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's kind of... Um, yeah, there's real kind of electric sense of anticipation because, you know, they have to react, they have to keep reacting. But also there's such an importance on the fact that they have to keep everything so calm yeah. when they're interacting with the extraterrestrials so as not to kind of set off, you know, a potentially dangerous um, situation. I also find it quite interesting um, that um, the way that they've chosen to uh, recreate the interior of the spacecraft, they kind of have this um, sort of space where they're interacting with the aliens and it's it's very reminiscent of a cinema screen in its shape and its size and its scale and I yeah. think that's something about that that kind of draws in the audience into the sort of similar position as 
Louise and um, and Dr. Real and Donnelly as well as they're kind of interacting because we're sort of going through the same kind of space. Uh, we actually have a clip of Amy Adams from the Red Carpet at London Film Festival in which she talks a bit about what attracted her to the film. That was one of the things that attracted me to the film was Denis had such a strong point of view and wanted to tell a mother's story and really wanted to make it feel intimate and at times like that, like voyeuristic and I thought it was a really beautiful way to tell the story. This follows a number of high-profile space movies in recent years, things like Interstellar and The Martian and Gravity, uh, and it does, you know, it's quite different to these films. Um, but what what would you recommend next for fans of Arrival? I would say, um, sticking with the sci-fi kind of genre, um, that films that really pick up nicely on its theme of communication with extraterrestrials are Contact and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I think they're really lovely companion pieces and all form a really lovely kind of trio um, about what that kind of first encounter would possibly be like and how humans choose to interact with aliens. Yeah, they're both great for that. Yeah, really lovely. There is also this idea of non-linear storytelling, which we mentioned briefly earlier, which speaks to films that play with the concept of time, um, like the fantastic Interstellar, um, but also films like Memento and Minority Report, and also Looper, um, which really kind of play with your expectations uh, and how you interpret the events and the sequence of events that are being shown to you on the screen. Yeah, and they all tackle sci-fi in, in different ways as well, I guess, mm. um, and to different degrees, which is another really interesting uh, angle, I think. Yeah. Okay, lovely stuff. So let's move on to our second film of the podcast episode, which is The Fits. Let's see what the new girls can do. Crabs on the floor. Hey, guns, we're crabs. If you're going to show up, just know there's work to do. We expect you here for three-hour practices three times a week. At home, practice. At school, practice. Stop thinking like an individual and start thinking like a team. The Fitz sees a young girl join a local dance troupe and then finds that many of her new teammates are suffering from a mysterious fainting epidemic. So the Fitz is a 12 certificate. We put this one at 11 plus, as this one is certainly more accessible for a younger audience. Um, So the overall uh, motif of the film, if you like, is coming of age. Uh, What clues are there in in the Fitz for viewers to recognise and sort of appreciate this? The film focuses very tightly on Tony, and she is an 11-year-old girl um, who we're introduced to at the start as being very much a part of her brother's world. He's kind of like her caretaker, and he's training her up in his boxing gym. Uh, But then one day when she notices that next door there are these drill dance rehearsals going on, she becomes inspired and wants to be part of that. Uh, And she becomes very influenced by these older girls and sort of gets drawn into their kind of family vibe in Mm. a way, um, where they kind of demand um, complete commitment from everyone that wants to be part of them. Um, So this kind of starts to influence her self-awareness and also her gender identity as well. She becomes a bit, you know, starts to explore femininity a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, as well, this film is, because it's set in such a restricted location, it's basically almost all around the gym exclusively. You just see these young people bouncing off each other the whole time and kind of see how they're kind of exploring what being a young person is and how some of them are starting to behave in different ways. Um, And this really intensifies the atmosphere and adds to this kind of eerie peer pressure situation uh, that we see come later with all the fainting spells. 
Um, and also the film uses dance itself as a metaphor for self-expression. So we have um, the young girls learning the routines, imitating how others use their bodies and hold themselves. And it's also all about this kind of like attitude and bouncing off one another because drill dance is kind of like a call and response form of dance where you improvise with these set routines and kind of put them in different ways and then react against like a competitive troupe, basically. Okay, like the music battles in Pitch Perfect. Or yeah, like exactly, exactly. So it's all about self-expression yeah. and sort of aspiring to become a bit more mature, but maybe misinterpreting that along mm. the way. So all of these things, you know, picking up new hobbies, being influenced by new friends, that sort of things are these coming of age things that teenagers might recognise in, yeah, in themselves. And, and kind of moving away from your sort of guardian figure and coming into your own a bit more as well. Um, so Eleanor, you actually interviewed the director, Anna Rose Holmer, and we've got a clip of that here in which Anna talks about working with the dance troupe. Film requires many voices for it to work. Um, and that was what was so, so exciting with me for me. And working with the Q kids was just a joy. It was so exciting particularly just working with highly trained dancers who understand what it means to translate emotional content into movement. Um, and that's what we were trying to do with the film. And you can listen to that entire interview in a separate podcast, which is now available on SoundCloud. So moving on, um, sound and music play a really significant part in this film. Um, and this is a film which uh, is more about, I think it's fair to say, mood and uh, tone rather than dialogue or, or the narrative. Um, so how do they help to tell the story? Well, I would say that sound design is used quite in, in quite a similar way to Arrival in that it really adds a kind of intensity and a sense of proximity to what's happening to Tony uh, and what she's kind of observing around her. A lot of the film is kind of shot from her point of view. Mm. Um, so you're kind of having either this really intense moment where she's struggling to keep up with the others or she's training really intensively in the gym and you've kind of got like heightened sound effects of like her breathing and footsteps and kind of the sound of impacts going on around her yeah it's a very visceral film isn't it? yeah exactly um but then there's also the kind of use of um diegetic and non-diegetic music in um kind of in the rehearsal spaces they've got their really kind of like pumping dance music that they're rehearsing to um and then you have this kind of um interesting freeform jazz that kind of starts to underscore all of the eerie kind of unsettling moments that happen as well. It's very unpredictable throughout, isn't it? The sound and the music and it properly keeps you on your toes. Yeah, it's yeah, it's quite unsettling. Kind of makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck sometimes. Yeah. Um, so to me, The Fits feels like a great introduction to a different type of filmmaking for young audiences. Uh, and as I say, one which relies more on uh, style maybe over, over story. Um, where would you go next to develop this this interest in this type of film? Well, I would say there are sort of similar thematic concerns picked up in films like The Falling. Um, obviously, that, again, is about this kind of epidemic of things going on in a very female space as well, which people yeah. can't quite understand what's happening, and there are lots of different interpretations of why. That's a British uh, film as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also, um, fantastic film Picnic at Hanging Rock as well, this kind of unexplained things happening um, to young girls. But also it's quite similar to um, the film Girlhood in terms of um, how uh, young women kind of shape identity by who they hang out with and this kind of idea of kind of girl gangs and being in this group and how the group can inform you as much as you can kind of um, lead a group. 
Um, and there's also this kind of lovely naivety to it, um, which really picks up on the kind of fun in that film, um, We Are The Best, where it's, you know, the young girls trying to form a punk band and they're just very naive and silly and, you know, just trying to have loads of fun with each other. Yeah, it's a really nice, feel-good Swedish film, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it really gets across that kind of attitude of, um, you know, being young, trying to do whatever you want to do and rebel against other people, but also kind of bouncing off the limits of your friendships with your with the, the people that surround you. And also I would say it's a little bit like um, the film Fish Tank in its sort of raw expressiveness. Okay, some great choices there. Uh, we hope that you've um, enjoyed listening to us on The Fit and Arrival. Uh, that's everything for today, so thanks for listening. Do check out all of our previous podcasts on SoundCloud, all of which are available and accompanied by show notes. Uh, if you are interested in primary content, we also have a new podcast episode available featuring Moana. We'll be back with a new episode in a few weeks, so tune in then. <laughs>